Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 220, episode 3 of The Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio, and this is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It is Thursday, January 20th, 2022, National Cheese Lover's Day, Mm. National Disc Jockey Day. Ah, is that what we would be in another era, Miles? Disc jockeys? Yeah, we'd be, we absolutely would be. I feel like there wouldn't have been a way for, I feel like you had to have like a cool voice. And I don't, I don't fit that. Well, you could perform one, you know what I mean? It's like, right, it's right, like right. that bit like in Wayne's World 2 where they meet uh, like Harry Shearer, who's like the <laughs> DJ and he's like, hey, how you doing? And they're like, what the fuck? Dude? <laughs> Wait, that's real? <laughs> it's about what you hear, baby. Anyways, my name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Alex Jones drinks pee. You know that fool's piss got a smell. Uh, that is courtesy of Christy Yamaguchi, man. Short and sweet and gross. And yeah, shout out to that, man. I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. We're in lockdown, but I go out again. Those vaccines not going to make me frown. I just go out, even though there's a lockdown, and they will never make me frown. Let me let me get to the part that's really good so I can kill this part. He drinks a pee-pee drink. 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 He sings the songs that remind him of his friends' lives. He sings the songs that remind him of his vax lives. Oh, Jackie boy, pushing the vax away. Drinking my pee all day. And shout out to Johnny Davis wow. for that tub thumping, aka, and also Bill on the Discord with just a little touch ups on the side. I see. Thank you. That was that was great work. That was yeah. a symphony. I mean, <laughs> he drinks a pee pee drink. Just say that four times. Yeah, that fucking thumped some tub. That's the <laughs> only way to describe that shit. Thank you, man. Well, Miles. Uh, We're thrilled to be joined in our third seat from all the way across the pond. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the funniest comedy writers doing it anywhere. She is the creator and writer behind Birds Rights Activist on Twitter and writes for the amazing YouTube show Some More News uh, with Cody Johnson. She studied psychology and evolutionary biology at a school in Boston and uses her educational background to host the podcast Creature Feature, where you learn all the weirdest shit you didn't know you wanted to know about various creatures, including the weirdest and grossest creature of all, mankind. Mm. <laughs> Please welcome the brilliant, the talented Katie Golden! Thank you. I What's wish up, I had Katie? a P song. I know. That is one thing that America is brimming with right yeah. now. We got a bumper yeah. crop of uh, P based songs and yeah. ideas. We're just, you know, we're drinking our own piss over here. Yeah. How's uh, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a real... how they handling the pandemic in Italy? Not telling people to drink pee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys have fountains over there. You have like those little baby fountains with the water coming out of there. Pee, oh, like the little cherubs pee? doing pee. Yeah. Oh, you mean yeah. you mean the uh, the that famous one, the the piss boy. I don't think it's yeah, called piss the boy. piss boy. Nah, that's uh, right. Is that right? It translates piss to piss boy. It's yeah, called yeah. il bambino piss. <laughs> I don't know if that's Italian. Is that oh, Italian? Shit. I know bambino I think it's is Belgian. Oh right, I think okay. that's oh, Belgian. Fine. Yeah. Anyways, okay. 
Y'all got statues. My Flemish ain't that good these days, so. (laughs) (laughs) One of them has a penis, and, you know, somebody, I'm just pitching here, but maybe an upgrade to the David would be a little fountain coming out of this pee-pee. Oh, I could, like, pee out limoncello. Yeah, onto all the people who come to gather at the base of the statue. (laughs) They would be so surprised. (laughs) Classy. Is this is the David have like a hand? What's his other arm doing? Does it is, is it that, kind it's of just flopping? It could hold flopping? like yeah. a. It could definitely hold like a glass, a fresh glass of limoncello. I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, because right, one hand is kind of like on the shoulder, right, and the other yeah. one's like down like this, and it's just pissing. That feels <laughs> yeah. famously the David. Like when you get up really close up up high you see that like there's all this vascularity that represents like how the human body would react in a time of great stress because mm-hmm. it's supposed to be the david right uh david right before he fights goliath is that right yeah it's that That's david right, right? Yeah. yeah and so he's really scared that's also why his pp's a little shrunk, shrunk down yeah. but in a little bit yeah, yeah do you know response. what else happens when you're really scared Sometimes you pee-pee. You go a little pee-pee. Sometimes you pee-pee. Sometimes you poo-poo and pee-pee, you know, when you're scared. I'm saying the only reason that the David doesn't have a pee stream coming out is because the technology wasn't available yet. I think it was, though, you know? We had had aquifers, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, maybe. Yeah, Michelangelo, do better, man. Do better. Try harder, bro. Yeah, I honestly had I would have said Michelangelo, but I just didn't know which Ninja Turtle it was that yeah. sculpted that. I the Ninja Turtle Vinky. <laughs> yeah. How what's the vibe over in uh, Italy like these days? Uh, well, people are pretty nervous about Omicron because it is uh, spiking quite a bit. So they have announced new restrictions. So like you have to have the super green pass, not just the green pass, but the super green pass. And that is the uh, you have to have a green pass that shows that you have been vaccinated and that is your ticket into things like public transportation and restaurants and so on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Discoteca, yes, exactly. Yeah. Biblioteca, discoteca, <laughs> all exactly. the all the all the, all the Italian hotspots. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Wait, wait. What's super green though? That you're like boosted or something? What? How? What's or, the, level? the original what green pass allowed you to do a COVID test and show like a negative COVID test. Uh, oh. I think the super green pass, you do Vax have to only. be vaccinated. Yeah. That, or I think it's a shorter period of time that the COVID test is valid for. But yeah, so they, they, they do they do check to make sure, you know, you're maybe less icky mm-hmm. to make sure mm-hmm. before you go into public spaces. You're also required to wear a mask outdoors right now. And yeah, but it's nice. So what's that what what is that like uh living in fear wearing that diaper <laughs> on your on your face? Yeah. Well the face diapers do come in fun colors. They're very oh. like you can get like I got some yeah, purple but I, ones. Yeah, I bet. But you know, before you dunk on the U.S., what I bet it's probably harder to get a at-home test than it is uh, tickets to the Champions League final, huh? <laughs> uh, it's funny you mention that, Miles. It's especially weird given that we just talked about this before recording. And I can't believe you <laughs> forgot about it. 
Yeah, weird. It's the weed. Uh, yeah, no, it is actually pretty easy to get a COVID test. They're just like, like it, I was in the U.S. over the holidays and it was really hard to find COVID tests. And then I come back here and go into the pharmacy expecting to like have to argue with the pharmacist to get one. And they just have a huge bin full of COVID tests. They're just throwing yeah. them at you. What the fuck? Yeah. Meanwhile, people are knife fighting over uh, yeah. four free ones from the Postal <laughs> Service. You probably have to, like, wait in a long line and there's, like, bureaucrats. And I, I anyways, more, no, more on that no, later. I don't, just, I don't like this answer. I don't they, like they're this raining answer. down. They were kind of tossing them around, just like they toss around just big chunks of Parmesan. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was. Yeah, the uh, big wheels. Yeah. And that yeah. can kill you. So uh, maybe yeah. it's not as safe as you think. Exactly. <laughs> big wheels of Parmesan. <laughs> Right. Just yeah. Think about that. Suddenly, we become just fierce nationalists. <laughs> like, yeah, it's probably not that great anyway, man. I mean, come on. If you're gonna get mistreated anywhere, it's got to be the U.S. Right. Wow. Yeah. She's coming for our turf, bro. <laughs> she's coming. I, for... I do admit that U.S. pizza is better than Italian pizza. I'm sorry. Oh it's just, my. It is true. No, it's true. It's I. Love I that. It's very I love sad, but true. It's. I mean, that's to be expected. Like it's a gluttonous thing that we've made millions and millions and millions of like uh, it it seems like we should be good at that at this point yeah all right well katie we're gonna get to know you a little bit better in a moment first we're gonna tell our listeners a couple of the things we're talking about we're gonna talk about how the debates are biased thank you rnc (laughs) we're gonna talk about uh the trump investigation into like financial shit that they, I've seen people be like, oh, 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 oh. He's, they, she said fraudulent. <laughs> right. He's in trouble. And? and it just, I don't know. I'll, I'll get interested when a defense attorney is like, yeah, no, they're fucked. But as of right now, it just seems like, uh, you know, he's going to get away with it because we're built on a system of getting away with it by rich people. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the Chamber of Commerce, who is the real force holding up voting rights and other oh, some polling that is sort of offers a contrast between between the US and how we've reacted to the the pandemic and other countries and so I just want to get Katie's thoughts on that interrogate that lie big lie <laughs> a little bit uh, that's Mamma Mia Right. Yeah. And then talk about spicy meatballs at least uh, once or twice. And then we're going to talk about Crypto Bros spending $3 million on a Dune book. There's a interesting saga behind behind all this. Yodorowsky's Dune book? Yeah. I mean, that shit sounds cool. I remember it just sounds cool. I only know of Yodorovsky's Dune because of like this one guy, my friend Alex, who always talked about it. And I'm like, it's a movie. He's like, no, that's the thing. I'm like, why are we talking about this? I mean, he wanted to make a prestige uh, TV series before such things existed. He wanted to make a 14 hour long (laughs) Dune movie scored by Pink Floyd. Would have been cool, but he failed to realize that that medium did not exist yet. All of that, plenty more. But first, Katie, we do like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history? Yeah, Horace, monkey, feral dogs. I can explain. Okay. Uh, What's no, the I first think that's part? pretty self-explanatory. Horace, monkey? Yeah, Horace, monkey, feral dogs. Okay. You know, it's a, it's a prog metal band. No, it's a... <laughs> 
it's a there's a, a vervet monkey named Horace who is in a a animal rescue sanctuary in Zimbabwe, and I was looking up a story about how Horace the vervet monkey grooms this pack of feral dogs because they have these dogs that were kept as like guard dogs in their sanctuary and so they were mistreated so they're really kind of unfriendly and aggressive and Horace would patiently slowly introduce himself to this dog pack he started out grooming this elderly dog named Isabella who let him groom her and then sooner or later, like all the other dogs realized, hey, all Horace wants to do is pet us and, and groom us and get all the ticks and stuff off us. And then soon they were all lining up to get a spa treatment from Horace. And now he's part of the dog pack. That rules. Horace is even grooming cats, too. I'm looking at these pictures. Horace is... Pet grooming is a boom industry. This is just a fucking smart monkey. Part of the great know? resignation, man. He's doing it on his own, man. He used to work at a pet co. Yeah. And now he's I just doing got, it independently. I just got a viral, one of those clickbait ads that was like, how this monkey made $100,000 starting his own <laughs> grooming business. Wait, so how did you... Where did you... Because this seems like this is a story that's been going on for a few years now, like the attention on Horace. What did you... Is this a thing that you just thought you we were like, oh, what? I need to check I had back a dream, a premonition. <laughs> no, it was for, I was researching for the podcast. I was looking for uh, fun stories from 2021. And I found there's this Smithsonian Channel TV series called Amazing Animal Friendships, which is just exactly <laughs> what it sounds like. It's, uh, it. yeah. Monkeys befriending dogs, dogs befriending zebras. It's great. I love it. Oh. Is there a animal like interspecies friendship that like not just like a one off, but like just that that tends to happen that you is like number one animal like partners in the wild that you're you're a fan of? Is it is it Horace and his grooming service? I mean, that's more of a that seems like more of a one off. But there are animal friendships in the wild that happen more often than than just sort of a fluke like badgers and coyotes sometimes work together in hunting and there's there's of course that viral clip of a very excited coyote jumping around and this badger just kind of waddling along uh, but they, they'll hunt together because the badger can dig out like prairie dogs and other burrowing little rodents and then meanwhile the coyote can like chase them chase once them they down. pop out of the hole so basically they kind of trap the rodents so they there's only two ends to a hole so they got to come out of one of them do they yeah. and do they share after like hey good work badger here's your cut the the ass end of it <laughs> <laughs> here's your cut and it's just like like a prairie dog ass yeah yeah, yeah. they, they um, that would be really cute they don't it's more that the the prairie dog or or whatever rodent really only has two choices of exit and there's so either a badger or a coyote on the end of it so one of them's gonna get fed and oh okay so sometimes it'll be like nah fuck it i'll, I'll just take my chances with the badger right exactly exactly oh. so you know 50 50 chance is we there always... a, sorry real quick question on this specific instance <laughs> is it like a is it like a stakeout because the prairie dog can like stay in but probably only stay in for so long do they stake out the hole like waiting for it to come out and like smoke cigarettes and... well the badger can actually yeah the badger can Excellent. dig 
up the hole so the oh, prairie okay, dogs can start it, freaking it, out it. and try to escape the other end because it's it's uh the badger's getting in there whereas the coyote is not as much of a great digger when it comes to that sort of thing so yeah they, they right. work pretty well together all right. right i liked my version better but go ahead miles with Are your there, question? yeah and mine is just like what that's what it would call it was that a symb- symbiotic relationship yeah, any kind of relationship between two animals uh, or two species is called symbiosis. And symbiosis right. can be good or bad. So symbiosis can be parasitism or it can be mutualism. So right. the coyote and the badger working together is mutualism. There are other less sort of Disney-esque mutualistic relationships like bees and flowers are in a mutualistic relationship. So right. they both benefit each other. But yeah, broadly speaking, any... like, what's a friendship, though? You know what I mean? That's what we're right. not not mutualistic or parasitic, but friendship. You know, yeah. what I mean? that's that's what I'm hoping we'll see. I mean, all friends day. have benefits, Miles. Come on. Right. Don't that's be right. naive. It's always transactional. I, I remember seeing like a clip of this one is like, oh, look at this uh, lioness with like this like young uh, gazelle that it's like taken in and is like protecting. And then like all these like people who are interested in animals like. It's only doing that so the cubs will learn how to play with live animals. It's not that he cares about the gazelle. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> okay, that took a turn. Yeah. yeah, there's occasionally like a lioness who is sort of maybe ostracized and doesn't have a pride and doesn't have cubs who will mistakenly take in something like a baby gazelle. But it never it usually ends in tragedy because a yeah. lioness can't take care of a gazelle. It's really sad. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Ugh. Badgers, I feel like there's also the honey badger like partnership that was in that viral uh, other viral video, right? Where they work with a bird that like spots the honey and then they mm. go in and just fuck shit up. Yeah, like the honey guide. Yeah, the uh, honey guide. There's, yeah, there's actually also the relationship between the honey guide and humans, which yeah. is really interesting. Yeah, like a, a okay. human foragers will team up with a honey guide and the honey guide likes the fact that the humans disturb these hives because then they can get at these insects easier oh got you yeah Yeah. look at us we're really doing eating also i just want to say like there's mutualism there's parasitism my parasite actually improves me i'm not i won't get any further into it but (laughs) i do have a parasite that (laughs) really uh, works the way your cheekbones are coming in like your facial definition model-esque i keep telling (laughs) you man that tapeworm is doing a number on you but (laughs) you're like no no it's just when you see like it slither across my skin my facial skin that freaks people out pops out out your nose sips a little takes a sip of your coffee and goes back in it's like footnotes you're like dude what (laughs) sorry my tape for him thinks it's hosting what's something you think is overrated uh yeah there's i guess something that's a little bit topical is there was this story sort of framed as this feel-good story of police officers in Cleveland County, Oklahoma, stepping into substitute for teachers who are out sick with COVID. And it was framed as like, oh, isn't this sweet? Like police officers stepping in to educate children when all their teachers are sick with COVID. But that seems like a nightmare to me. Right. Like, if, yeah, if my substitute teacher was a police officer, I would be peeing and pooping myself in class. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, only definitely... two holes it can come out of, you know? That's right. What, like you said. Nice callback. Um. <laughs> well, it's like, yeah, because I, I, I mean, I can't think of two occupations that are directly on the same wavelength with each other as police officer and teacher. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it seems completely uh, like they parallel skill sets, um, you know, brutalizing yeah. poor people uh, in service of protecting private property or teaching the youth. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, like, it's like, I guess you're teaching physics when you body slam a student for no reason, right? Is that how oh, it works? Interesting. Yeah. Like terminal yeah. velocity, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh. I mean, were, th were the pictures like cops, like in their uniforms, like at a yeah. blackboard? And that was the thing. Oh, it's yeah. like, wow. Yeah, oh, them like look. smiling. Oh, also, uh, cherry on top of uh, the donut, if that, yeah, is that yeah. they weren't we uh, wearing masks, no masks. And the story was like, oh, the teachers are sick with COVID. Let's get some maskless police officers in here to teach kids, you know, I don't know, yeah, that we live in a police state. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. I, yeah, I had one experience in my entire scholastic career where, uh, cop was my teacher and that was the dare program dare, yeah and that's just oh very memorable i feel like anybody who had the dare program like remembers that day more than most because the cops enter it's just strange to have yeah. like a a person with such bad energy yeah in bad vibes running around 100 percent. Yeah. and i grew up like you know just having it put in my head it's like you know, police uh, this is it's not a good situation Right. So like when I remember Officer Charles showed up for our dare class, I was like, I thought I had weed on me. Just right. like, it was just like I remember that was like one of my first responses. It wasn't like, wow, cool, a cop. I was like, <laughs> Yeah. And that guy clearly had the energy of like, I screwed up pretty bad. That's why I'm teaching dare. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember we had like a cop uh demonstration where they had a canine unit and yeah. some other like other cop wearing one of those body suits anti-dog really? body suits yeah what? and then just like had the dog tackle the shit out of them and start like you know tearing at them and it's like isn't this cool kids and we're like that's great mr yeah. officer man like cool right. that's why you <laughs> don't, don't misbehave that's why yeah. don't misbehave that's what you got waiting for you on the other end of that pathway exactly right. but you yeah, won't it's... have that suit on Okay. Yeah, and like I just don't understand how any of the adults didn't think like this seems scary. Like they're terrorizing the students with a promise of violence, you know, if they yeah. happen to well, run I, afoul of the law, <laughs> or not, like the, or not run afoul of the law, just exist. What right. you think of like the teachers I had in the '90s? They had been clearly teaching since the '60s, so for them, everything was like great. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and it was maybe only like the newer, younger teachers who were like. Mm maybe not the best thing but like for the people who are like i remember when this school was segregated almost like that kind of energy uh they probably didn't care as much not that that was happening but you get the, you get the idea yeah yeah they did find that the dare program like people who were exposed to the dare program were more likely to use drugs than people who weren't so at least it did some good yeah it's yeah dare is a gateway drug yeah it taught yeah. us what the good stuff was yeah exactly yeah. I do. It was the first time I smelled weed, like really up close. Uh, it was also the first time I had 
like learned the urban legend that meth gives you superpowers. Mm-hmm. They're like talking about how somebody on meth was like shot eight times and like kept coming and like threw a fucking dumpster at a police car. PCP. I was like, Whoa. Right. Yeah, that's what they said. Yeah, PCP, mind. that's what yeah. it was. Yeah. Angel yeah. yeah. Guy It'll broke all invincible. his limbs. Yeah, flipped yeah. a car. You're like, and I and I and I've said this before on the podcast. When YouTube came out, that was like the first few years of YouTube. All I was searching for was video evidence that that was possible. I was yeah. like, "Where's guy on PCP throwing car overhead?" And it's like, <laughs> right. It's, it's yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I they also would teach us like obscure ways to get high. Like you know, <laughs> if you take a can of like computer screen cleaner and like snort it, you'll get high. And it's like. Oh, that never really occurred to me. Right. And how do you do this exactly? Right. Exactly. You know, that was the same yeah. thing. He's like, "Hey, how many of you guys know about hot knives?" And we're like, "What?" <laughs> He's like, "You take two knives and you put it over your stove and you get them red hot and then you put a piece of hashish there and then you can inhale the the smoke that is generated from your two hot knives pressed against the hashish." And everyone's like, "What the fuck?" Okay, let me take right, because notes. the cops are just there, like trying to. Like the second you get in front of a room, you just want to like entertain and impress. Yeah. You're just like, what's the coolest shit I've ever seen? Right. The, like the what's the coolest thing I know about drugs? And then you just go with that. <laughs> yeah. One time I saw a pit bull jump into a second story balcony from the ground floor. And you're like, okay. Yeah. Like it did feel like that at times. And yeah. I and I've said this before. Half of the class was him trying to get people to print, like guess what his vanity license plate meant. What? what was he it? He was like, who knows? Hey, you guys see my Ford Ranger pickup? He's <laughs> like, what do you think the license plate means? And we're like, what the fuck is this, fool? Like, just get us out of here, man. Just say weed is bad. And he brought it in the last class. He's like, he took it off his car and brought it in. He's like, all right, guys, it's our last class, and I want everybody to write down what they think. And if they're right answer, oh you'll God. get like a, a Starburst or something. And it oh was, it was, it was P-R-N-C-H-A-S. P-R-N-C-H-A-S. Yeah. Porn-chers. It was no? Prince Charles. Oh. And because... we're like, oh, your name's Charles? It's like, yeah, I'm Charles. And oh, like, we're like, okay. okay, fool, you're a prince and an oppressor. See ya. <laughs> and that has to do with the program, like, Okay. Yeah. Anyway. No, but that's what I mean. Like, right. what? What is? <laughs> you thought there was like, going to be some like <laughs> tie-in to the theme no. of the. <laughs> There's a very good like... chance that one of those classrooms had to sit through him talking about his divorce and just oh, yeah. him yeah. kind of going through it with the class, sobbing yeah. a little bit. Everyone. I remember. The f- yeah. His ex time. was like, your fucking vanity plate doesn't even make sense. And so he like made the whole thing about okay. trying to prove to her that like a bunch of 12 year olds could tell what it was. Yeah. And like she's they like, couldn't. He's like, come on, it's Prince Charles. She's like, Charles, obviously. the divorce papers have been signed. I don't know what the point of this is. <laughs> I've already, we've already made our decision. Whatever. And then right. like, I remember the first day of class, he's writing on the blackboard. It's like, officer. And then in the middle, he's just like, oh, fuck. Oh, no. <laughs> like, all right. Oh, no. Uh, shit. What is, uh, what's something you think is underrated? Uh, yeah, I, I think that non-honeybees, so native bee species that are not are the typical honeybee, are really cool. And when people think about the bees, like saving the bees, I think 
the typical image we have in our heads is like the honeybees because they make honey and they're cool. And I love honeybees. Nothing. This is no shade thrown at honeybees, but native bee species can be really different and really cool. And they're often the ones most in need of conservation. And they're also just extremely rad, like the leaf cutting bee, which is not a honeybee and it doesn't live in a colony. A lot of these non honeybees are actually solitary. So they'll raise their own young, live their solitary lives. But the leaf cutting bee does really cool shit, like builds these little leaf doobies, uh, like little leaf cigars uh, that they lay doobies. their eggs in. They, Wait, are you look, a dare officer? Well, they look, <laughs> I mean, I guess technically they look more like a roach, but like they, right. they're, they just roll these leaves in like dead wood and then stuff their larva inside and then their larva grow up in these little leaf cocoons uh-huh. as the safe crib and yeah just like google leaf cutter bee cocoon and oh, yeah. also farmers will buy like leaf cutter bee cocoons and just set them up somewhere so because it's like great pest control it's great for pollination but yeah i, I think just learning more about non-honeybees you'll often find some really cool bee species yeah the only bee non-honey bee i can name is a carpenter bee Mm-hmm. Those are very cool because they're so big. And I remember as a kid, I would like scream, be like, ah, like, because they're just <laughs> like, this looks like the Hulk of bees. And I remember my dad was like, it's a carpenter bee. They don't sting. You're good. And like, that was always like my way to, you know, exude calm, like in middle school when people were like, ah, and I'm like, it's a carpenter bee. Let it pass. <laughs> it wants nothing to do with us. You just have a, have a Batman voice. Yeah, suddenly. And yeah. because of, you know, like most kids, I'm regurgitating a thing I heard an adult say. <laughs> what about those giant hornets that were supposed to take over the the globe? Where, oh, yeah, where the, are we in, the, on the that Asian progress report? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're still occasionally found. Uh, I don't think they're gone yet. They haven't, right. like, taken over. I think uh, the problem with those ones is that the bees here in North America didn't evolve alongside them. So like Asian honeybees and other Asian bee species have evolved defenses against the giant hornet, the the Asian hornet, uh, whereas here they haven't. So like in uh, Asian countries where the the giant hornet is native to, the native bees have defense mechanisms like they'll form this big bee ball and vibrate until they literally cook the oh, hornet yeah, to death. Yeah, yeah. and uh, they'll, you know, also like smear poop uh, outside of their hive to ward off uh, the the hornets. And in the U.S., very they smart, just haven't evolved these defense mechanisms, so they don't know what the hell to do when a uh, giant Asian hornet comes in. So we got soft in. bees, is what you're saying, on yeah, right. yeah, mm. yeah. What are you gonna do? All right. Well, it it feels like that was a pre-pandemic news story when we had to make up stuff to be scared of. But from Asia. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Ah, Asian stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Now it's COVID. Oh, thank God. Have you guys seen Parasite? (laughs) Well, I'm not falling for it. Neither should you. This COVID bullshit (laughs) sounds like... Katie's country is uh, yeah. another matter altogether. Yeah, they're really losing losing their meatballs about it. 
Mm-hmm. That's right. A different podcast. <laughs> that famous phrase, losing your that's meatballs. What, that's what they say, yeah. They don't really have hey. meatballs much here, I, just for the record. What? I mean, they, they do, <laughs> I guess. Are you in Italy? Are you sure? They do, I guess, technically. It's just not a big thing. Like, yeah. occasionally, maybe. Well, right. Or maybe they're so spicy, they just know that they you won't be able to handle them. <laughs> They're like, uh, she, well, she, she's only been the, here a year. The tender American, the spicy meatball. It's too right, spicy. Right. Yeah. It's too spicy. Can't handle it. Then the memes aren't going to stop. Just, yeah. just keep it quiet. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back, and we're way behind schedule. Katie's too interesting to talk to. Well, sorry. So let's just blow through these uh, these stories. Yeah, uh, blah blah blah. We're not going to have voting rights. Uh, blah blah blah. <laughs> Trump gets away with everything. <laughs> yada, yada, All right, yada. let's talk about Dune. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, dog. No, oh, so man. the debates. I mean, we kind of touched on this last week. The, the Republicans are have basically pulled out of all debates going forward. Yeah, th- more me. specifically, th- they're like, we have no confidence in the Committee on Presidential Debates and like their ability to be unbiased or give advantages to the Democrats. But they founded that. They founded the the Commission on Presidential Debates. Stop. Stop that. You stop yeah, bringing up old. facts in here in this church. <laughs> that's old Republicans. So- like Ronna McDaniel, Ronna Romney McDaniel, Amit Romney's niece, is, is the head of the RNC. And, th- th- you know, when this announcement was made, there's been all kinds of these, you know, justifications, excuses, whatever. Like one was like, I mean, like there was the one debate where they 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 let Joe Biden do it virtual suddenly. It's like, yeah, when Trump had COVID. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, that's OK. Thanks for exhibit A in your prosecution. And all of it just like it all just falls short because it. It's all sort of some version of like everything's against the Republicans and we can't get a fair shake. And really what it is, I think it's just pretty clear. It's like your party platform is going so far right. Even like Himmler would be like, hey, whoa, easy. Let's let's like gradually get to this place. Yeah. Yeah, Like slow boil it, it, you know, don't jump right into this uh, like ethno state stuff like off the gate out the gate. So. I think, you know, I think a lot of people are right to point out it's like it makes a little more sense why you wouldn't want to have like a neo-Nazi candidate on stage having to defend their like fascist beliefs while some like corporate Democrat could merely just like gesture to them and be like, you see that suburbs? And this is the debate. No substance. It's me just saying, look over there and I don't have to say anything. But I think it's just, you know, it just it's all in uh, a part of a very cynical party making very cynical moves. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because the Commission on Presidential Debates, again, like it was founded by the RNC and like the back, what was it in like the 70s? Something around then, yeah, when like the de- yeah, televised debate became a big thing. Yeah. And, and I mean, originally it was like controlled by like the League of Women Voters, but then the head of the RNC wanted to have this commission so that the RNC and I guess also the DNC could make decisions on how they wanted the debates run by right, like mm-hmm. being able to basically approve or disapprove moderators and exclude third party candidates. So it's not a great system because it gives yeah, no, basically terrible. control over the debate conditions to 
the RNC and DNC, who are, of course, going to try to make it favorable to themselves. But now that's even not good enough for the RNC, I guess. Like, it's just got to be total authoritarianism. Yeah, it's just how low the bar for democracy has fallen that, like, even seeing their candidate in an unplanned, like, un, you know, moderated, like, by them situation is just too much for them because their whole thing is based on, like, being able to portray specifically to each person, like, what that person wants to hear. And so, you know, they could be fascists to the fascists, but, like, on a broader stage, they won't be fascists. And this just makes it so they never have to, like, do that broader stage thing where they're, like, held to account. Yeah. Um, not that the debates are good at that, but they were at least a thing that attempted to do that, and they're going away. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll just have to, you'll have to read up, voters, to figure out where your <laughs> what your candidates' beliefs are and things like hate crimes. Yeah. Chamber of Commerce is kind of the force behind all the, you know, refusing to even fuck with the filibuster. You know, they're kind of an underrated force, right? It's like big bu- yeah. if big business had a central, like, nervous system, the yeah. Chamber of Commerce is like them. I don't know if it's underrated, it's under-discussed, under-analyzed uh, in mainstream media because, yeah, the Chamber of Commerce is like, the Voltron of all the corporations being like, and we are the lobbying arm that, you know, has tremendous sway because the way they look at it is like, you know, if you're, you're a good mainstream candidate, you want to be like, hey, man, business fucks with me, too. I got the Chamber of Commerce. They've endorsed me. And if the, and if they don't endorse you, they can provide uh, some headaches for you during the campaign. And yeah, like as it relates to the filibuster and voting stuff, you know, like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, but Joe Manchin really, like, especially recently, has been parroting just a lot of talking points that have come out of the Chamber of Commerce in terms of like why the filibuster like doesn't need to be like messed with at all. For you know, if you're like reading the New York Times or like you know, he's a traditionalist, uh, like along with Cinema, who feels like we shouldn't be altering rules for things like this. But if you look at how the Chamber of Commerce talks about filibuster reform. It's clear that they see the filibuster not just as not really that as it relates to like voting access, but how it can affect capital. Right. So this is like when they were talking about the potential for minimum wage and, you know, the ease for workers to unionize. And just to say, it's been five weeks since the uh, iHeart podcast union was announced and we still have not heard a response from the company. But Hmm. uh, we'll we'll, stay tuned, folks. Stay tuned, folks. It's uh, it's going to be a long one. But in this instance, the, the, the Chamber of Commerce is talking about minimum wage and unionizing. And this is their quote, quote, because of the filibuster, neither can become laws currently written. That's what they wrote to like lawmakers. And then they said uh, they expressed concern, quote, that without the filibuster, voters could have the power to elect new lawmakers who could change public policy. Uh-oh. Yeah, that's literally. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't Yikes. want that. Yeah, going on to say, quote, imagine if major portions of federal policy constantly changed on a purely partisan basis every time one or the other party finds itself in unified control of the government. Again, Joe Manchin has said. What if the government changed when people voted for it? Oh, no. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I, I think that seems like a pretty interesting take, especially because Manchin, I think in 2019, supported voting rights bill, the, the the John Lewis Act, 
which mm-hmm. I think back then was called uh, it was called something else, but it it became the John Lewis Act. Yeah, and that. and he supported. In fact, I think he was a he was a co sponsor back in 2019, and now he's opposing it. And mm-hmm. so it makes a lot of sense that he's getting, you know, some pressure from, you know. And the thing is, they, with lobbying groups, they make it very easy to package donations to your campaign. They take a lot of legwork out for candidates. You know, that's the reason why lobbying, like lobbyists at that level, they're so detrimental to how things work. Because it's like, yeah, man, if I just, if I'm beholden to them, like it makes my fundraising so much easier and I have to do less work. And the, the, you sort of go on to see like, why they really hate this. First of all, the Chamber of Commerce sort of let, you know, any candidate know, like, you fuck around with the filibuster, like, we will smoke your ass. We're not we're not even playing. Like, you better not be open to any kind of filibuster reform. And again, they articulate it all for us in very plain English for everyone to understand why. So this is what they talk about as it relates to filibuster. Quote, for example, within two months, the House of Representatives has passed $15 national minimum wage and a radical rewrite of U.S. labor law known as the PRO Act. Because of the filibuster, neither can become law as currently written. In a world without the filibuster, both might be the law of the land. That is until a Republican unified government repealed them. Mm. So, yeah, that's it's just this fucking domino, right? Is that we have this potential that when you get rid of the filibuster, that a simple majority is things that can dictate our processes and, and processes and uh, regulations in the country. But Democrats aren't going to call that out. Like, you're not going to hear Chuck Schumer be like, hey, man, it's the fucking Chamber of Commerce. Is this, this guy's ear? Because then they're going to snitch on themselves because both parties are behold, like they very much listen to the Chamber of Commerce. I mean, we see that even with like a lot of the pushes to like reopen things. A lot of that stems from the lobbying efforts of the Chamber of Commerce or even you know, so many things like progressive DAs, the Chamber of Commerce or business leagues don't want these kinds of progressive district attorneys in. So I think, you know, people are sort of left to look at the situation and just based on what they're seeing on like CNN or MSNBC or whatever, it's almost that they think, well, why won't Joe and Kirsten just let go of their attachment to these old traditions like that? That's what the issue is here. Right. Rather than the Congress is made up of a bunch of I know, Jack, you, I don't, you, you, you take you don't like this word fuck wit. And I don't mean that they're stupid. I just mean I don't like right. them. That's why I said yeah, it, yeah, but yeah. that the Congress has made up a bunch of these fucking greedy fucks that are only there to serve their own interests as long as they intersect with the aims of the ruling business class. Like that's that's yeah, what no, I is. mean, they're they're being puppeted for sure. I just yeah, the yeah. only thing I just that it's, the yeah, idea that they're idiots, which I do, you know, hear a lot is, I think, misleading. I think they're. You know, in the same way that we've learned that, like, cults tend to be made up of people who are of higher intelligence and higher education than the average person. It's like they have really smart people whose entire self-worth is built around this central idea that they are the elite and must be must make decisions for the masses in, in order to, you know, protect them from themselves. It's just very I think that is the central lie that you learn in like that's what a lot of the highest, you know, rated universities in America like are churning out. Like people talk about them being like left wing, but a lot of them are like, no, you gotta like get funding from massive corporation and like that's how you like get shit done. And there's all these networks of people who work at like 
these massive like tech corporations mostly now and like they look out for each other and like that is also kind of interwoven into all of this and it's just very hard to fight is i guess the yeah and it's kind of a virtuous cycle or vicious circle or snake eating its own butt kind of situation because Mm -hmm. the obviously the fact that we have such reliance on like Kirsten Cinema and Mansion is because the very disproportionate presence of Republicans in House of Representatives and the Senate because the electoral process is all messed up. Like it's not one person, one vote. It's completely skewed in favor of Republicans because that's how that's, you know, just how the system has been set up to give these smaller states uh, more voting power. And then that means that we're always going to kind of, unless you get some massive like turnout of voters, you're always going to have this like kind of razor thin edge margin. And then it's very easy to like convince one Democrat to like, hey, look, you know, Kirsten, love your style, love love the wigs and the outfits it's so it's so you're working it's so hard anyways <laughs> could you maybe um you know maybe oppose these things that you said you would be for because you know girl like the truth is like you're gonna you're gonna get no money from us if you don't yeah. do that and right yeah I mean, you know where you, where you get as, wig money from as that statement made clear like it's not complicated like they said it like very clearly <laughs> like so the House of Representatives passed a $15 national minimum wage, which is keeping pace with not even keeping pace with inflation, but like the minimum wage has been like criminally just left behind in the past, you know, 20, 30 years. So they're like, we can't let that happen. And so that's why we need to do this thing. We are the face of big business. Like that is a very simple story. But they need to make it seem complicated and like, you know, there are these forces and they are traditionalists, which means like, okay, so they're going like there's some complicated ideology behind it. And like that is the New York Times. That is like the supposedly liberal media that is get it putting that message out there instead of just telling this story over and over again, which is very simple, but that. Like, the idea that this is very complicated is, like, it's only as complicated as they make it seem to try and bore you into not paying attention. Yeah, they're not, they're not super into tradition. They're super into capital. So they're not traditionalists. They're capitalologists. (laughs) Yeah, I would think that's the word. Capitalologists. Capitalologists. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about some dipshits who spent too much money on a Dune book. Ah, hell yeah. And we're back. And actually, so there's the, the this round of polls that I just saw, like getting some attention in the mainstream media that was like, and, I, and I've seen this a couple of places. There's a decrease in the popularity of like what they're calling populism with the pandemic because like your Bolsonaro's and your Trump's just completely fucked it up when there was a global pandemic and the more technocratic politicians like Angela Merkel 
didn't. And so there people are kind of turning back towards that. Is that is that something I actually have no haven't the first clue about Italian politics, but is that like a a vibe you're picking up in Italy, Katie? Like the, the an vibe. idea of like, okay, enough with this fucking crazy bullshit. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think that there is some more trust in the government as of late because of the sort of, uh, you know, fears around COVID. I'm not, I mean, like Italian politics, I don't thoroughly understand yet. There is, there's like a neo-fascist movement in Italy that is uh, pretty, pretty rascally and rambunctious, but like very tiny percentage of people support it. And I think like it's one of those things where they openly call themselves neo-fascists and but their politics are probably pretty similar to like the alt-right in the U.S., but it also just has a lot less support amongst people. And I think, uh, you know, like they'll have these like anti-Green Pass protests and stuff, and they're typically pretty, pretty small. Poorly attended. And not. Yeah. And I, I think that like in general, people have been I think Italy just got so scarred early on from how horrific COVID hit uh, Italy. And people haven't really forgotten that. So people are kind of more willing to sort of and it's it's funny because there is definitely I think a lot of people here like hate the bureaucracy and it's not like there's just a lot of like most of the patriotism seems to be about like an Italian identity, not about the government. Sure. But I think like the pandemic has made people feel a little more trusting of the government because they feel like they're they're doing something about it. Not that I'm an expert on. <laughs> I have not I have not run a poll on Italians. I'm just basing this on. Hey, just shout out your window real quick. <laughs> real quick <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, what's the, what's going on out here? Yeah. But that so that same study found that tribalism, is, the one place it's not abating is the U.S. Mm-hmm. So. We're an outlier. I think Malcolm Gladwell said that's good that we're to be an outlier. <laughs> I'm a but, kid born at the beginning of the year, and I'm good at hockey now. <laughs> Malcolm Gladwell says a lot of things, doesn't he? Yeah, uh, the best. But that's—I mean, I get that part—the hockey but, thing. Yeah, yeah. No, the hockey thing was interesting. Because you're a bigger kid. Okay, yeah. I get it, Malcolm. I see your analysis. He mixes interesting <laughs> things in with just wild leaps of logic. I still want to fucking invade the la golf course golf courses yeah like, like raiding vikings but that and that was based on a podcast from him but then there's a bunch of shit he says that is wildly misleading anyways there's also this poll that is being kind of quote alongside this that's like and you know younger people are turning to the left and their voting is getting more and more like they're we're seeing increased participation in you know, the democratic process, I think they're going to see a real drop off in that yeah. in the next couple of elections. I think if, if they don't see that coming, I, I think they're going to be real, yeah. real surprised that maybe yeah. how how few people are going to be motivated to go out and vote for Democrats when the Democrats aren't doing shit. Yeah. yeah. Get to the root of what by, what might have motivated people to participate. It's the fact that generationally. Uh, younger people are like, what the fuck is this hell world I'm in? Like, yeah. they're like, my grandfather was able to support like 
his four kids with like a custodian job and they all went to college. Right. Huh? In this country? And yeah, I think there's just the, and I don't know, unwillingness or just uh, that sort of, they're just oblivious, maybe willfully to what those elements are, because that would, that would be, I guess, too drastic of a change for our policies here. When when those polls are asking about populism, they're not distinguishing between left and right populism. Right. Yeah, just, yeah. That was another point. It seems point. like you're mentioning like Bolsonaro and stuff. It seems like that's more right wing populism, whereas yeah. you know left wing populism isn't necessarily being represented there. Yep, that's another little trick they do. Is yeah. they're like populists like Trump and Bernie Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> it's like ah. Uh, <laughs> Did you find that his policies became less popular? Or, yeah, remember uh, during the election would... how they kept calling Bernie Sanders Trumpian because he would, like, do a speech? <laughs> <laughs> Look at him. He's all angry on behalf of the working poor. What yeah. is this guy? Look at Mussolini? Him. Wagging um, his finger. Positively Trumpian. Right. Yep. Absolutely. All right, but we do have to talk about this Dune bullshit. Okay. So Dune! There's... Not bullshit. Dune, our two favorite things, Dune and Crypto Bros. Yeah. Uh, so crypt, there's like a headline going around about Crypto Bros spending $3 million on a Dune book. It's very kind of confusing, but basically, so there's a book with all the drawings that uh, Joe Dorosky, like put together. And I'm not saying Joe Dorosky. It's Alejandro <laughs> Jodorowsky, J-O-D-O-R-O-W-S-K-Y. If you want to look it up, but he, a great artist who is making, going to make this 14 hour Dune with music from Pink Floyd, uh, a cast including nice. Orson Welles and Salvador <laughs> Dali. Just uh, right. the people, there's a documentary about it, and everyone's like really in love with his vision for this movie. He created a giant book of concept art that was sent out to potential backers. They made 20 at the time, only around 10 are thought to still exist. And so some some of those books went up for op- auction at Christie's. They were expecting it to go for between twenty eight thousand and forty thousand, and ended up selling uh, nearly three million dollars for three million dollars. Okay, which is more than those other estimates. So right, yeah. Wait, okay. So who 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 are these balling ass bros? Yeah. So the winning bid was placed by a 25 year old cryptocurrency nerd and NFT collector acting on behalf of the Spice DAO, a network of dune loving cryptocurrency enthusiasts. <sighs> and Sick. the the degree to which you can raise money in the crypto world is kind of was my main takeaway from this story. Mm-hmm. So he spent $3 million of his own money, but was looking to get paid back by the decentralized autonomous organization DAO, D-A-O, uh, which is basically an internet community with a bank account. He asked the DAO for $6 million because $3.8 million after taxes and legal fees equals $6 million. And <laughs> another $2.2 million to make an animated film inspired by his vision. Wait, what? So, so it's like a crypto GoFundMe. Yeah, a little bait and switch there. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but it went Wait, are from, you saying crypto investors are gullible? Went from, <laughs> I bought this book for this amount of money to, I bought this book, and really it was for double that amount of money that was reported. And also, I would like an additional 
$2.2 million to make a cartoon, even though you've never seen any work by me and I'm just a crypto bro. Surely Um, you're not saying that crypto bros who will guilelessly click on a tweet under an Elon Musk tweet that says like, hey, free crypto giveaway, and then lose like $400,000 in crypto by doing that because they think that Elon Musk is tweeting it, even though it's a different account tweeting it. You're saying those people might have gotten scammed? Yeah. Well, I I know it's hard to believe. Uh, The community, so this is the part where my uh, head started to spin. The community, which apparently includes Grimes among its members, uh, (laughs) so there is a tangential connection to Elon Musk, ended up raising between 11 and $12 million. Okay. Goal use some money. Sweet. Love it. Honestly, we're stupid as fuck. Yeah, I'm sorry no, we just don't. Shit. That I should is, be out here stealing straight crypto off of people. That is what crypto is for, though. It's we didn't have enough things to like the tech billionaires didn't have enough thing to do things to do with their money. So this stuff, is yeah, yeah. This gives them dumb shit to do with their money. Fun. So like, and how does this work, right? Because you're saying it's like a crypto community with a bank account. So essentially, it's like. He's pitching this vision of like, I will acquire the book and then you guys are going to be like producers like of the thing or what, what, what's, how are they incentivized to participate in this? Also, if you buy a book, how does that give you the rights to? Oh, oh Katie, 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 no, no, these no, no, are no, questions. On. It sounds like you the might, crypto, you crypto might books. should have been involved in the uh, brainstorm <laughs> session before anybody started this project. So Miles, you. You you did ask an interesting question. What do they get? How do they get what paid do I back? Get? It is of course in uh, dollar sign spice tokens, and oh. so that mm. is just fake. So you get for your real world money, fake spice money, mm. like dune dune money, uh, and also you get a chance to vote on what actually happens with the book. A a chance to vote, <laughs> like in the United States where it's not guaranteed. I don't know. You might be able to yeah. vote. <laughs> a chance to fucking vote. Yeah, well, don't, don't dog ear it. That's my vote. Here's a bookmark. Yeah. <laughs> Jam pointed out that that is a worse investment than just actual spice. Any spice, if you just put that money in like cinnamon or something. Like cinnamon you, futures. Yeah, yeah, cinnamon futures, you would do much better. But Spice Dow Twitter tweeted out their mission, which includes making the book public to the extent permitted by law and to produce an original animated limited series inspired by the book and sell it to a streaming service. <laughs> It's oh, just so easy. But owning a physical book doesn't give you the rights to that book. Am I missing <laughs> I have something? A, I have a copy of the Pelican Brief from the nineties. <laughs> so I have the I'm shopping it around to to investors to possibly make it into a move a movie, like remake it, maybe an entire fictional series. I don't well, know. I have a copy of the Bible, so... Oh, shit. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Mel Gibson owes me some royalties. <laughs> so people are pointing out that that's not how things work, uh, or <laughs> like making the book public is also a bit concerning because there was some discussion within the community of turning its content into NFTs and then hmm. burning the actual book in order hmm. to make the NFTs more valuable. Hmm. Just because we've like gone into a world without any sort of gravitational like pull of logic, it's just sure. So right. if you do this, then maybe it'll go up temporarily and then dump the spice tokens or real money. Yeah. Just 
use its pages to print out a bunch of bored apes. Yeah. One user even suggested burning the book so uh, nobody is sued over copyright claims when the scans go public, which is not how uh, like uh-huh. anything in the world works. Do they think do they think the book is alive? Do they think like the book would be the one suing them? And they're, it's like, we got to murder the book. <laughs> hey, no body, no crime, man. If we yeah. kill the book, the book, we control the book. Yeah. Like, and also, like, by this logic, if I'm streaming the new Matrix film, but because I, like, destroyed a DVD I had of it, that's supposed to, like, absolve me of any kind of, like, wrongdoing in it? I'm I'm really having trouble with, like, I don't hey, think man, that's what burned, they mean man. when they say burning a copy of a DVD. Am I right? <laughs> Only 90s kids will get that. <laughs> oh, my God. The, I mean, so, like, he... Keeping in mind that what they're talking about is, like, if this was an original book of art by somebody that had, like, passed in the public domain, like, some of this might make sense. But not only is is this, you know, more recent than that and hasn't passed in the public domain, it is an adaptation of a famous novel that was just adapted by, like, a major Hollywood studio that has uh, all the lawyers in the world at its disposal to sue Every the single fuck lawyer. out of you. Yeah. And oh, it's just Yeah. So I mean it it seems like this might just be hiding like the a small motive of somebody like who wants to, you know, whip up interest in some unrelated project, piling all this bullshit on top of it. But it just seems like people aren't aware of what they're doing with their money. They right. don't know what adapting the book actually means. And Jeez. yeah, it, it reveals like so many things like, you know, it's like the energy of these people, too, where it's like, yeah, man, we're on the cutting edge and we don't even know what the laws are. Right. And like, that's not even a like a deterring force. Yeah, they don't know pursuit. how books work. I, I no. there must be a parallel <laughs> to like the plot of Dune. I'm just not familiar enough with Dune to like be like, yeah, this this is like when Paul Atreides like bought a bunch of like spice nuts and yeah. you know spice tried to make a movie nuts? out of a book. Hold on, did you just say spice nuts? Spice nuts? I don't know. They come Katie. from worm. Um, <laughs> it's like worm poop, right? The spice. Yeah, I think it is actually worm poop. That's okay, right. you know, if if you can't respect the culture of Arrakis, then you shouldn't <laughs> even begin to to wade into these waters, right? It's just really gonna it's just really gonna just highlight how ignorant you are. <laughs> so just the ultimate problem is like as any similarity that this project that they claim to be like trying or that they might secretly be trying to whip up enthusiasm for any similarity it has to the original Dune or Jodorowsky's unproduced film, like they have already said that it's inspired by that. So, like, you already have as the, like, central, like, nut of the idea, the thing that would make it illegal were it to ever get (laughs) any investment, which it can't. So, plan B of just renaming it Sand Planet is probably not going to work. It's not going to work, unfortunately. (laughs) This, like, also, Exhibit A, this is a tweet from at the Spice Dow. We want just like their whole plan is there in a tweet. 
Right. <laughs> like there's no, you have no defense. You've already said we intend to iterate and create de- derivative works based on this intellectual property. Right. And I do understand like the blockchain is cool. There are like cool things about NFTs, but this is the reason we make fun of like the whole NFT yeah. market is pe- they, that in the Yanni exploited NFT, and was a huge failure. The Yanni NFT? Yeah. Oh my God. Hey, it's, it's not as bad as the Popeye Jones ones I bought, so don't worry about it. Oh. Sorry, what were you saying, Katie? Oh, just a cool thing that is being done with cryptos. I think NGOs in Afghanistan are trying to bypass the uh, sanctions with some crypto because right. you know, there's a whole famine situation there killing a bunch of people. So. Yeah, and uh, how quickly the news changes in the U.S. Yeah. I mean, it's not going to, it's not going to like save everyone but at least it's something that's happening you know there are very right. very cool theoretical things about that you know the some of the things that could be done with nfts and blockchain and it just feels like there's also a giant universe of incredibly dumb shit that is being done with it and yeah also being like marketed to the type of people who might listen to our podcast. So I don't know. That's that's my point of view on it is like, seems like unless there's like a very concrete and clear way that this is being used to help people, I would be very, very Well, I mean, skeptical. that's the thing. It's like for all those examples, like the one Katie brings up, the things that get all the airtime are just like the the grossest versions of it. Right. Yeah. You know, and and I think that and and because of just where we find ourselves societally, like there's nothing more appealing than a get rich quick strategy. Like there isn't. And this it's today's like the quickest path or the seemingly the path of least resistance to wealth. And and you get a lot of people who aren't as, you know, aware of like what a good financial investment is, and then it can turn into bad stuff. But mm. just like spice on the Dune planet. There yeah. we go. Brought it back. Good investment turned into bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, Katie, as always, such a pleasure having you here to interpret the book Dune uh, for us. Where can people uh, find you and follow you? Yeah, uh, of course, I host another iHeartRadio podcast called Creature Feature, where we talk about animals and all the weird things that, and creepy things and cool things that they do. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Katie Golden, K-A-T-I-E-G-O-L-D-I-N. Uh, yeah, that's, you know, I'm around. Yeah, yeah. Is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? Yes, in fact, I mean, this is somewhat of a visual thing, so I highly encourage people to look it up, but this is from at Riot Girl Aaron on Twitter, who did an amazing thread as Kirsten Cinema as Porta Potties. And what this thread is is Kirsten Cinema juxtaposed with a porta potty, and the porta potty is exactly color matched to Kirsten Cinema's stupid outfits, and it is a whole thread of like twenty different porta potties, all exactly precisely matching Kirsten Cinema's stupid outfits. It's incredible. It's like a work of art. The amount of effort. That went into finding the perfect porta potty to match Kirsten's uh, cinema's style is it's breathtaking. It's amazing. Oh mm. man! Oh, so it's like almost like that ball house account where it's like taking snapshots of like 
uh, NBA, the NBA and like yeah. finding it's like parallel and like fine yes. classic art. Oh, yes. I love I love like when people have that talent to just sort of be like, nope, and this dumpster or this toilet is this senator. It's so creative. <laughs> and it's not it's also like not just the color of the porta potties, it's also the style somehow. It's an ineffable quality that uh this tweeter captures about this porta potty that just kind of captures the essence of Kirsten Cinema. It's amazing. Beautiful. It is you know, our greatest work of our, our greatest contribution to the art world, I think, yeah. as a as a culture in this moment. Miles, where can people find you? And what is a tweet you've been enjoying? Oh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray. Also, if you like uh, reality TV, check out 420 Day Fiance with me and Sophia Alexandra talking 90 Day Fiance, Married at First Sight, all of that. Uh, some tweets that I like. First one is from Paula Viganolin, uh, you know fairly regular guests on the show, tweeted, I don't care what you say, pets can tell the disrespect when you pet them with your feet. That's so true. <laughs> and I was like, yo, my dog will like, bite my fucking yeah. toes off. Oh, yeah, I no, try. my dog would bite my toes off as well. You right? can't do that. Isn't it? What the, Katie, help me out here. I mean, I, I almost bring this. Is, do you think they sense the disrespect or it feels like to them an act of aggression because like feet are for walking and yeah, for my stuff. dog, I think it's she sees it as an attack because like she's yeah. a small, she's a little little one, uh, and so she's occasionally tripped over or you know like you get a you get a pinky toe on her paw and then she freaks out. So yeah. to her feet Just, are sort of like a nemesis, and so to right. touch her with the foot is an attack. I try even with my dog, so nice. I try and do the most gentle finesse with my foot because it's something I'm very actively experimenting with to see if there is a version when the dog will accept never never can find mm -hmm. the right one um and the another tweet i like is from at merman five and it says parenthetical making up ghost story as i go along but this was no ordinary <laughs> honda accord <laughs> <laughs> oh shit that's great great stuff <laughs> no ordinary honda accord some tweets I've been enjoying. Handsome B. Charming tweeted, quitting smoking is so easy for me that I keep starting again because I know how easy it is for me to quit and it's no problem. That's an underrated part of the difficulty of quitting smoking. Cessation, uh -oh. yeah. Yeah. Page six tweeted a picture of the machine guns, Machine Gun Kelly and <laughs> Megan Fox. Is that... Mr. and Mrs. Machine Gun. <laughs> yeah. And it's, she's wearing a black dress that has sex written across the chest part. And page six said, Megan Fox makes a statement in sex shirt. Fred Delicious retweeted and said, whoa, I wonder what it means. <laughs> and then Eliana, Dr. PhD, tweeted, Neutral Milk Hotel is Bob Dylan for people whose Vietnam War is not having a girlfriend. Ouch. Ouch. I do. I love them both, though. Wow. You can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and our website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, Footnote. where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. Uh, Miles, what song? Are you recommending they go check out? 
Um, I recommend they check out the artist Alphamist from East Ham, London. Great, just, you know, producer. Uh, I'm guessing a musician, but like if you like the sounds of like Jay Dilla or let's see, uh, High Tech, uh, you know, who famously would produce like Talib and most deaf albums, you're going to like this track. And it's called Organic Rust. And it's not like really sample heavy. It's like a lot of live instruments, but they're really, the beat is really like syncopated and wonky. Uh, and there's like a nice electric piano in it. So check this out. Organic Rust, Alpha Mist. Alpha with an F. Uh, so it's like a less or a more alpha version of The Alchemist. Is, yeah. is that what they're going for? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to ask. Uh, all right. Well, the Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for us on this Thursday morning, but we're back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we will talk to y'all then. Bye. Bye.